Math, uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Hear now the word of our Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God add his rich blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, how we adore you and thank you. For these words given to us from your apostle thousands of years ago. We earnestly pray now that Holy Spirit will come to us. And that he will fill every heart in this room. So that our eyes may see. So that our ears may hear. So that our hearts may be enlivened by the power Holy Spirit used to resurrect Jesus from the dead. So that we may walk in the newness of life. And as you do this, we will give you the praise. We will give you the honor for it all. Amen. I think everybody in the room who's over 10 years old will understand what I'm about to say. Human relationships are complicated. How about that? And you may be in a family, you may be with friends, you may be in all kinds of associations with people, but the reality is that our Lord Jesus lets us know in these words that human relationships are very complex. Really a follower of Jesus, and so the churches were struggling, and the Apostle Paul was struggling to hold them together during that challenging time. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we live in a world on the outside of us who is challenging us at every single turn. Things that you once imagined to be unthinkable are now a part of American culture, accepted American culture. And of course, what that does to people who follow Jesus is it makes us wonder, well, how should I react? And so we tend to react with reasonably so, 
with some bitterness, with some resentment, with some, I've got to be strong to resist the things that I see on television and I see in the news and I see even in my own neighborhood or my own school. I must stand up and I must be strong, even if that means making enemies around me. And I understand that when you're dealing with the world. But here's the problem. As those forces are surrounding us on the outside, we easily bring those attitudes, those habits here into the body of Christ. So what's the glue? What is it that underlies all of these challenges that we face that will hold us together? In fact, draw us even closer together as we face the challenges of life as followers of Jesus. Well, the first thing I want to say to you about that glue or that underlying reality that holds us together even in difficult times is this. It's personal. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is not that it's just your opinion. You have your way. You have your way. I'll have my way. It's all just a personal matter. No. What I mean is the glue that holds us together is a person. That's why the Apostle Paul says in verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit. And again in verse 25, which surrounds the passage that we're going to be focusing on for a number of weeks together. He says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Who's the person that holds us together? It is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, let me describe to you why the apostle emphasizes so much that the glue that holds us together and draws us even closer together as followers of Jesus is the Spirit is because of what his opponents were saying. Here's what his opponents were saying. They were saying these things. You who are in the church, you who claim to follow Jesus, there's something you must do. If you want to be in line, you want to be walking together, you want to be doing the right thing, and it is this, not involving a person, but rather involving rules and regulations and requirements. And the rules were not just limited to those that you can find in the Bible. No, in fact, it was the practice of the rabbis in Israel at this time to do what they call build a fence around the law of God, extra rules, so that you could be sure never to violate the laws of God themselves that are in the Bible. So they came up with all kinds of things, all kinds of extra rules. They failed to make the distinctions that our Lord Jesus made between the things that were weightier in the law and the things that were small and light in the law. They failed to make those kinds of distinctions, but more than that, they kept adding and adding and adding and adding. So it wasn't simply, you must follow the rules of the Bible. In fact, the Apostle Paul himself in this book says, you must follow the rules of the Bible. But rather, all these extra things that will prove that you're actually a good person, 
that you're actually a righteous person. Oh, yeah, you can see it because, well, one, you'll be circumcised. But beyond that, you'll stop eating all the foods that the Gentiles eat. But beyond that, you'll get up at a certain time in the morning. You'll go to bed at a certain time at night. You'll walk this way. You'll walk that way. You'll talk this way. You'll talk that way. And they regulated the lives of people in their community so tightly because they believed that the way in which the people of God could stay together in service to God was by multiplying more and more and more rules. Now, for those of you who are visiting here today, this is a Presbyterian church. And we are often called the frozen chosen. Did you know that about yourself? The frozen chosen. And there's a reason for this. And it is that we have a propensity... To think that the Christian faith thrives because we follow not just the Bible's rules, but all the extra rules and all the extra expectations that are laid on us by the men and women who are around us. Often very good things that they advise us to do, but at the same time, they distract us. And so it's easy to be distracted from the personal glue, that which underlies our relationships with each other, which is the living Holy Spirit of God. And the apostle makes it very clear here that if you want to see the body of Christ thrive, if you want to see the churches of Galatia thrive, and for that matter, even in our own day, it must be by you and me turning from substituting extra rules that we lay on people and bringing into view the Holy Spirit himself. Now, I'm a man, so I can say this, brothers. You ready? I'm one of you, so let me just go ahead and put it on the table here. You take a Presbyterian, you take a Presbyterian man, and boy, do we believe that more rules will fix everything. The sisters here, the women of the church, are not quite oriented that way. That's why when you have trouble with your teenage son, your wife will often say to you, stop making more rules for him. Instead, spend some time with him. And, of course, we say, well, I can't spend any more time with him because I can't stop talking about the rules. And she says, yes, you can. Spend time with him. Be personal with him. Put your arm around him again. Even though he is in rebellion, even though he may be saying things that you cannot even believe are coming out of the mouth of your own son, spend time with him. Get to know him. Love him. Let him get to know you. Let him see that you are weak also. Let him see that you are just struggling to make it through life like he is. Let him see you. Let him know you. Be personal with him. So, brothers, we have a long ways to go because I'm just like you. That when people around me, whether it's in my family or in the ministry that I serve or in my neighborhood, wherever it may be, even my local church back in Orlando, Florida, what is it that I readily run to in order to corral people in, to get things the way they're supposed to be, 
is rules. And I wish I could say they're just rules from the Bible, but they're not. Here's what happens. you got the Bible with its precious God-given rules. And you believe those. And then you start drawing out the implications of that. Well, if you believe this part of the Bible, then you'd be doing this. If you believe that part of the Bible, you'd be doing this. And also, you'd be doing that. And if that's not enough, i got some more things to tell you you ought to be doing. And so when the church of Jesus Christ struggles, it is not usually with the grand teachings of the Bible itself, but it struggles because the people of God are substituting their personal opinions for the Bible and disregarding Holy Spirit. Can you see that in your life? Can you imagine that that's true? The Apostle Paul says something remarkable in chapter 6, verse 15 of the book of Galatians. Remember that the, the presenting problem in the church was circumcision. You Gentile Christians, you must be circumcised. And the Apostle Paul's answer to that situation where people were taking Rules upon rules, implications upon implications upon implications and laying them at the feet and putting them on the lives of these people that were sincere and struggling to follow a new way of life. This is what he says in chapter 6, verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision are anything. The only thing that matters is the new creation. And for those of you who know the Bible, you know this, that when the apostle speaks of the new creation, he guarantees us, he tells us that in God's way, the taste of the new creation that comes when Jesus returns in glory, that deposit that guarantees all that's out there waiting for those who trust in Jesus, that great inheritance of a new world, the down payment, the pledge the experience that you have of that that's guaranteed to every believer in this world today is none other than Holy Spirit. So it's time for us to change the ways we normally do things. If you happen to be Devoted enough that you actually read the Bible, and I hope you do. I hope everyone in here has a daily time at least meditating upon the Scriptures. I hope you do that. But let your meditation on the Scriptures also include this Holy Spirit, this person. Asking Him to open your eyes. Asking Him to change your heart. Asking Him to give you the kind of life you need to have in the light of what the Bible teaches. Not just read the Bible to have another rule that you can then try to lay on someone else and tell them that they must obey this extra rule that you came up with because every pious person would. Reading the Bible must be done in the presence of someone, that third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit. I love this passage. Because in this passage, the apostle makes a distinction. He gets very practical about this. And he says, there are two ways, two paths you can follow in your life. 
And there are two kinds of fruit you can have in your life. One of those paths he calls the way of the flesh. And the other he calls the way of the spirit or the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit. And so now it's time for us to get an overview of what he had in mind. I want to read to you this passage. It's a hard one to read in church. I can't believe these words are in the Bible. Can you? (laughs) Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Oh, it must be a much, very, very long list of things that he had in mind. And I think as we read these words, we can spot things that we would agree are of the flesh. Now, in the Apostle Paul's writings, flesh is not just your, it's not your physical body primarily. He has in mind the sinful world that we live in, this sinful, ordinary world we live in, and the power of the devil that's behind all of that. And he says, the fruit of living in the flesh results in certain things in your life. And some of these, we would readily say, yep, I see it out there, and yes, you're absolutely right. In fact, can you not say, just look at the news sometime this week, that the things he lists here are precisely what we see in our culture around us today? Sexual immorality? We live in a hypersexual culture. Impurity? Sensuality? Well, of course. Idolatry, we even have physical idols in our culture now. We even have sorcery in our culture now. And man, is there enmity among us. People declaring that you are my enemy because of what you believe. Strife, is that not the nature of the flesh in our culture today? Jealousies? Have you noticed anyone out there having fits of anger over things? You say, what are you so upset about? And they're having fits of anger. Have you seen the rivalries that are out there in the world around us? The dissensions, the orgies, pardon me, the the divisions, the envy, the drunkenness, the orgies, and all these things and others like them. Can you not see that every single day that you open your eyes and see the world around you? It's evident, isn't it? That this is the way of the flesh. The old days of southern genteel life are gone. It's who we are. So the world around us separates. The world around us divides. The world around us is remarkably fleshly and sensual these days. But the most remarkable thing about all of this is that when you watch people who endorse these sorts of views and live these kinds of ways is how I honestly believe that they think that when they get up in the morning, they're going to see a halo when they look at their face in the mirror. Because they are deceived into thinking that there is the right way and that to be devoted to these practices of the spirit of the flesh actually give them a bright golden halo of righteousness and goodness. Now, I don't know about you, but I do believe 
that when I get up in the morning, even though when I'm shaving, I'm looking for even just maybe a slight tiny little halo. I haven't seen one yet. I don't have one. Do you? It's one of the greatest mistakes that movements, especially fleshly movements, make. And that is that they think they are the righteous ones and they cannot reflect on themselves. They cannot see the troubles that they're bringing. They cannot see the flaws in what they believe. They cannot see that the ways they're endorsing actually bring destruction. They simply can't see it. The halos that they think are there are blinding them to these things. But not those who are in Christ. Even though we may at times fall into the trap of living in these fleshly ways, these sinful ways, we would never allow ourselves to feel righteous enough to have a halo. And that's a good thing. But here's the problem. When we read through this list of the fruit of the flesh, there are certain ones that you would say, well, yeah, I'd never do that. Yeah, I'd never do that one either. Yeah, I gave that up a long time ago. I'd never do that one either. We can list them off. They're the more the gross matters that are here, the distasteful things. And you wonder, why would anyone ever be involved in those things? And you say, yeah, that's the way I feel about it too. So the, no, the halo lights up a little bit, a little bit anyway. But did you notice what he says as he mentions things like idolatry and sorcery, and sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. It's amazing what he slips in the middle of all of this. Notice what he says. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Those are acceptable ways of life among Christian people. But the apostle says, this must not be for those who are walking by the Spirit, for those who are keeping in step with the Spirit, for those who look for the person who holds us together. I love these verses that precede the list of these various fruits of the flesh and of the Spirit Because you notice what the Apostle Paul does is that he mentions something that is so very important to us as we think about these things before it and after it. This is what he mentions. He says, for example, in verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, no more extra rules for you and me. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another you know i get around and preach in lots of churches and lots of places in this country and others and right now i can tell you I have seen this more than I have ever seen it in my entire life. And trust me, I was raised a Baptist where you have week, monthly congregational business meetings. And there was a lot of bickering and fighting in those Wednesday night congregational meetings. Can I hear an amen to that? Yeah, okay. Whew, you wouldn't believe it. 
But I'll tell you, I have never seen it like I've seen it today. Where dissension and division and enmity, enmity, separation, rejection, even hatred rise up within the body of Christ itself. And usually, it's not over the grand truths of Scripture that Jesus is the only way of salvation, that God is Trinity, nothing like that, that the Bible is the Word of God. That's not what we're arguing about. It's over things like, what's going to be the style of worship in our church? What songs are we going to sing? Are we going to be in the sanctuary or not in the sanctuary? Are we going to get this kind of pastor or are we going to get that kind of pastor? These are the fruit of the flesh. You're at a time in this church where you are in between senior pastors. And some of you probably feel okay about that. Some of you just worry and worry what's going to come next. You're putting hopes in a next human being that will come here. It's not time for us to put our hopes in the next pastor. It is time for us to put our hopes in Holy Spirit, who will deliver us from the flesh and empower us to love our neighbors as ourselves and keep us from devouring each other as we go through this time. In all likelihood, you will not agree with everything the leaders of this church do, but that's okay because the Bible doesn't tell them everything they do. It's their opinion, your opinion. Their ideas, your ideas. Or as we used to say in the old adage, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. This is the fruit of the flesh. So what kind of church do we want to be? I don't mean when you get a new pastor. I mean, what kind of church do we want to be today? It is found where the apostle speaks, not of the fruit of the flesh, but of the fruit of the spirit. And you've heard it. It was sung this morning. What a lovely song. I'm hoping we'll sing it many times throughout these sermons on the fruit of the spirit. Because it needs to be driven into us. It needs to be written on our hearts. But you know what they are. You've heard it before. Verse 22 But the fruit of the Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You can lift those verses, verse 21, 20, 21. You can, you can lift those 22. You can lift those verses about the Holy Spirit out of its context and not even know what he's talking about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Yeah, I got it. I learned the song in Sunday school too. But understand the context within which he is giving these declarations of what the fruit of the Spirit is. It is in our relationships with each other. When the church of Jesus is being challenged, when the church of Jesus is facing troubles, when the potential for the fruit of the flesh is evident, we must be yearning for the fruit of spirit that will lead us to love 
our neighbors, each other, as ourselves. It's relational. Every single one of these words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it has to do with loving one another. It has to do with people to people, how we treat each other. That is what the Apostle Paul is focusing on. So, friends, you have a day now when you can change the way you have been relating to your spouse for years. Because let's be truthful. Many of us relate to each other in our families as husbands and wives. We, we relate to each other and by evidencing the fruit of the flesh. But now we are called by God to evidence the fruit of the Spirit. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Start imagining this. Imagine a visitor coming to this church over the next few weeks. What do you want them to leave saying about your church? It's a good, it's a good way to think about this. Do you want them to think, what a nice building. I really like the chandeliers. It's amazing what they've done. And they're not even in their sanctuary. It's just astonishing. It's amazing. What a beautiful church. And the people dress nice too. They're so polite. Everything's done decently and in order. I like that. Is that what you want? Or do you want them to leave this church saying, My, it's obvious those people love one another. You might nod your head and say, yeah, I'd like to see that happen. But let's take it a step further. Be careful now. Do you want them to leave here saying, my, those people, despite whatever circumstances they're facing, are full of joy. Joy. My, in a day when it looks as if we are on the verge of nuclear war in several parts of the world now, you realize that, don't you? That that church, those people are just full of peace. And they're so patient with each other, even with the kids. And they're kind to each other. They exercise self-control. No fits of anger in that church. It's amazing what a church that is. This is what the apostle is saying to us. That even as we face the challenges out there in the world and the challenges that this church internally is facing as it transitions from one pastor to another, we want people coming here and leaving saying, look at the fruit of of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's astonishing. So even today, rather than running out real quickly and hurrying up to get to the restaurant, they'll be there, even if you're late. You may have to wait 15 minutes in line, but they'll be there. Take time to smile at the people around you and to give them a hearty Christian greeting a display of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Because against those things, there is no condemnation, no rule, no law.
Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, how we bless you, how we thank you and honor you for the goodness that you show to us. Please, Holy Spirit, we bow before you now and we say, please write these things in our hearts and fill us with the energy that you filled Jesus' body with on the day that you resurrected him from the dead and give us the energy and the devotion to these fruit that you bring into the lives of those who follow Jesus. Amen.